So today in the studio, we got an awesome guest, Howie Weiss. Um, Howie is the man behind the scenes of many great uh, brand companies, clothing apparel. Um, Howie, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. It's my pleasure to be here today with you guys. Howie, you, you know, you're the best, Howie. <laughs> Thank fact, you. In how, fact, Howie, uh, well, I don't, want, I don't want to say, but, well, you were a client. You, it's okay to say that yeah. now. I was a client. But we want you to come back tomorrow because we just love seeing Howie. Howie's the best. <laughs> I'm always, I'll come back every day to kid around with you guys. Not a problem. Yeah. So, Howie, how did you get into the manufacturing business and clothing and branding? And well, going back to 1975, which gives away a little bit of my age, <laughs> okay, uh, a friend of mine went into the denim business, okay, and uh, called me up and asked me if I wanted to be a salesman because in those days I worked in men's clothing stores in Brooklyn where uh -huh. I grew up. So I Brownsville, said, right? Well, Brownsville and then Canarsie, East, Flat East Flatbush, from. yeah. Oh, those were, the, those were the good old days when I was a teenager. And uh, they started a jean company called French Star Jeans. Was that was denim huge then in 1975 very, or just the start? It was very, very big in those days. You had brands like uh, Viceroy, Fade Glory, you know, Britannia. Uh, and these guys started a brand called French Star and eventually became Sergio Valente. So it became a, a big, big business. And uh, in those days, there was a tremendous amount of specialty stores to sell. Mm -hmm. Okay, and their claim to fame was they had this light-colored denim that this huge company, Britannia, called the J-colored denim. And it was a light-colored denim. And they wouldn't sell specialty stores. They only sold chain stores and department stores. Or these two brothers, Marty and Izzy, they knocked off they knocked off the denim and they went to the specialty stores and the business went from zero to the moon. And then as the business changed a little, they created a new brand called Sergio Valente, which... Sure. Anybody in the jean business in the last 20 years would know the brand. Sergio Valente. So that was Sergio Valente. I remember that name. Well, it was in the, that wasn't in the late 70s. Right? Well, you know, you had brands like Jordache, Sergio Valente, you know, and things like that. They went in from the light color denim business to the dark denim business, dark denim business. And it was a success for a lot, a lot of years. So, you know, we got a lot of experience manufacturing goods. And those guys educated me and took me to Hong Kong, you know, to basically, you know, give them feedback what the retailers mm -hmm. were saying to us. You know, from a salesman, they were smart enough to get reaction from the salesman who speaks to the retailer every day, who when we're in the stores, we see the consumer. Yeah. And we yeah. see what they're buying, what they're putting their hands on and stuff. And uh, they started taking me to Hong Kong, and I got an education. Then I said one day, I got up in the morning, <clears throat> I said, these guys aren't so smart. Why can't I do it for myself? Right. And me and two of the other salesmen left the company, and we started our own brand called Corniche. And it lasted for a long, long time. Corniche, it's called. Corniche, like the Rolls Royce, you know. Corniche, uh, okay, yeah. Right, yeah. okay. Uh, and in those days, we went partners with the same people they were partners with because the Chinese people that were backing them didn't want us to leave. We were the sales force. So they supported us and made the product for us, and we created a brand, Corniche. It's all about the top line, right? Yeah, in those days, there were a lot of people to sell. The business today is totally, totally different. What do you mean by that? Well, very few little mom and pop stores around today like it used to be. And dealing a lot of the stores, if I started mentioning the names, you said your birthday was today, you're 25 years old. 25, yep. If I mention stores like Ben Hill, you don't even know it existed. They yep. had about 50 stores. They were based out of New York. 
no-name stores, which was in every mall across the country. Oh, no-name. No-name stores. They were a junior chain, and they were in all the malls. Uh, they're not around today. Uh, we sold people like Sid's Pants. That was a locally owned. Uh, in fact, I, I grew up with the people that owned it. We came from the same neighborhood. And those stores totally don't exist today. And then we sold stores like Merry-Go-Round. I mean, they were huge. I mean, they had stores, you know, all over the country. And they don't exist today. So all the guys that we used to sell, they just don't exist today. Yeah, retail's changing big time. Retail is changing big time. I don't know how you compete with the big guys. No, what, I, what I'm realizing now, like I go to like Johnson & Murphy, um, Bonobos, Lululemon, and they don't have... Uh, clothing in their stores. You have to just order it online. So you're going to stores. Well, that I think with, I think that's no just supply chain now. And it's just shipping to you. Yeah, Google Lemon created a, a monster. Okay, I mean, you know, they opened up. Nobody knew they had a cute name, Google Lemon, uh, and obviously it attracted the consumer. And they were into this active yoga, leisure, at leisure, whatever you want to call it. They got into the business very, very early. I was already in the activewear business, but obviously, you know, we had a small brand called For You, uh, and it did well for a while. But you know, these guys opened up retail stores, and you know, they market themselves very well. Word they're the out. apple. They're the apple of. Yeah, they you, I mean, their you marketing know, is you incredible. Give them, you know, anybody that puts their money where their mouth is, you got to give them a lot of credit. Of course, you know? I mean, they have the money for the marketing because their margins are massive. You know, they Clothing really margins are massive, aren't they, Howie? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't really know the numbers. I believe they're a public company today. Uh, you know, give them credit. A lot of people, you know, everybody wants to knock them off and yeah. knock them out of the box. You know what? Give them credit. And now they're going to the shoe business now, too. Well, they could probably license their name for any products they want. But, you know, I find that once you start expanding your business to areas that you really don't know, yeah, you start tearing down your own business. That's that, Do you ever notice that with restaurants? Restaurants expand. Yeah, you know, you have a successful restaurant yeah. or you have a successful brand. The never you know, the you same. Start, it's the you truth. start licensing your name out there, you oversaturate the brand, and too many people start carrying the product. And, and uh, you know, you lose some of your strength and uh, the brand goes down. So, I mean, from being in the business uh, more than 40 years, you, you look at guys like that, you got to give them all the credit in the world. So, your you company, Kanish. Do you guys go after, like, athletes and celebrities, or do they come to you? In, the, in those days, the marketing was in magazine type of thing, word mm -hmm. of mouth, okay? Uh, Jordash in the early days did a commercial on TV, a guy I, dancing. I was trying to remember guy that. Dance, guy dancing in a disco. I, if they spent $500 to yeah. make the video, they spent a lot. Like the Steve Madden one, too, with the big heads. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and then, you know, as the business evolved and then the urban business got strong for a bunch of years and those guys started advertising in, you know, urban type magazines. Okay. Now that business dried up a little bit today. Uh, today, you know, it's a, uh, it's a luxury grand business. Those brands, you know, you're selling denim jeans, 150, 175, $200, $250, $300. I was going to ask you that, Howie. What, is there a big difference between denim? You know what? The answer to that is, again, marketing and positioning in the stores. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you're in Bloomingdale's and Neiman Marcus and Saks Fifth Avenue and better retail stores, you become a status, so-called status type brand. Mm -hmm. And they created a niche for themselves. So everybody started to follow that business. 
you know, guys like Diesel and Replay, you know, in the early days, those were the higher end jeans. We were selling French Star jeans for $9.75. Is Diesel high end now? Uh, they're they're, they're yeah, still in business, I and I mean, I've been in the business since 1974 or 1975, and these are still around. I, 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 I think the they are. No, they're definitely around. They're in Mike they're in the Mary, stores. Is it Mike and Mary jeans? Like five thousand dollars a pair. Well, well, that's like th listen. Yeah. The same thing with handbags, right? Leathers, leather is leather. It's the design and the and the name you're paying. But look, but there's I, really no difference in in in. The way they make the denim, or they're, you know what? There are slight. different. There are different qualities of denim, but you know what? For a jean to be two hundred or three hundred dollars retail, I mean, I don't want to blow any manufacturers yeah. out of the water, but you know, let's let's be realistic, okay? I, I mean, it's a marketing ploy. Uh, do they make a nice product? They make a nice product. Or maybe is the cut any? is a little bit better or fits uh, you better. Yeah, like you, would. you know what? Their their quality their quality is okay. I mean, yeah. you know, they market themselves well. Today, a lot of them have their own retail stores. Uh, I think Diesel still has some of their own retail stores. AG has their own retail stores. You know, so. Uh, they market themselves really well, and you know, as long as the consumer is willing to pay the price, the prices are going to continue to rise and yeah. rise and rise until the consumer says, "No, no, yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly, yeah, okay." And will that ever be? Uh, you know, times like this are tricky because you know now people, you know, a lot of people aren't making what they used to make financially uh, so people watch their dollars people don't shop as often as they used to shop okay the online the online business has taken a big part of the brick and mortar stores business okay uh, but you know what those are the products that are in the store you know as, as a woman is it uncomfortable to change into something at the store no I mean I don't particularly like it I always like to bring it home to bring it home or I do. to your house. But, yeah, but that, that could be my age. Also, because your sister, she'll her and her friends would love to go to the store and try on there, and yeah, yeah they, they make a day of it. I guess when I was younger, I did. I don't have the time or the patience anymore. You know, but if you go in, you know, if you go back quite a few years, there was no such thing as them shipping it to your house. They, they never yeah. did. Okay, so you either went to a retail store, either... Uh, independent retailer in your neighborhood, okay, or you went to a, a local mall and you wanted to try something on, they had dressing rooms, okay? So mm -hmm. today, uh, you know, you could buy it online. Uh, you don't like the way it fits, you don't like the way it looks, you put it back in a bag or a box, so you send and it you back. Sent it. The, uh, you sent it. Do you remember JM Town in Quadwell? No, Was see, I'm not, really, I'm not really a Jersey guy. I grew up in Brooklyn, okay? Brownsville. Well, I, I was born. I was born and raised in Brownsville, Brooklyn, uh, and then you know, as I got a little older, like 11, 12 years old, my parents moved to the other side of the. In, in those days, it was Bethel Hospital. Today, it's Brookdale Hospital, because the mill company donated some ridiculous amount of money. So my parents moved on the opposite side of so-called Linden Boulevard, and that was called East Flatbush. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we moved to East Flatbush, and. Uh, that's where I grew, you know, I grew up from around 11 years old till, till I, uh, till I decided to uh, move out of my parents' house, get my own apartment, get married, and ended up moving to uh, Fort Lee, New Jersey. How come Fort Lee? You know Close what? Friends city. of mine, friends of mine told me it was perfect for my lifestyle. It was on the water. 
okay it's it's on the other side of the and you look into the city you get great views from the apartments and uh, me and my wife before we got married we bought a condo a year before we got married and we moved into winston towers and uh we lived there for about seven or eight years and then uh we decided we wanted to have a baby we had a baby and my wife wanted to move into a house so we looked all over we looked in marlboro new jersey and we ended up looking in livingston new jersey and uh, we bought a house. So I became a Jersey guy in, uh, I don't know, 1978, 79. I've been here ever since. That's awesome. So Do you ever go back to Brooklyn? Uh, I go back, you know, I, I went back, uh, you know, I played a lot of ball when I was a kid, okay? Uh, so a couple of years ago, we went back to the Brownsville Boys Club, which is in Brooklyn, a group of guys that I played ball with in high school. Uh, they we all played basketball and at, at the Brownsville Boys Club, so we all went back there. Okay, so but I don't go back often. You don't. I don't have that that many friends that live in Brooklyn anymore. Uh, my parents aren't there anymore. But I've gone back a couple of times. I've taken my kids, and they look at me like, "You really lived here?" <laughs> really. <laughs> I mean, back in those days, how we could tie Brownsville was no joke. No, but you know what? It was uh, it, I, if I had to do it all over again, it was a great way to grow up. Yeah. I mean, people played in the street. We played ball. Did you, you have nothing a to do. You went to the schoolyard, and there was always people in the schoolyard. And when you finished playing ball, then we concentrated on. Oh, are there any pretty girls around? We go to the candy store and Best hang out way at the to grow up. You know. So I grew up that way. My kids didn't basically grow up that way. My kids grew up, they want to play ball, you got to take them in a the car and sign them up yeah. to join the Little League or, or, or Softball League or whatever, whatever you want to do. But uh, look, I got three great kids. I got three beautiful grandchildren. And, uh, you know, good. and they lived a great life. But I still look back. I think it's the greatest way to grow up is the way I grew up. You know, all the houses were attached to each other. Did you have a stoop? I, my parents lived upstairs above a store. Okay. It was like a two-family house. So great. And, uh, I love it. You know, and that's how we grew up. So when I, awesome. I look back, I, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then when we moved to the other side of, you know, out of, out of Brownsville, it was the same thing. It was a local neighborhood, you know, one or two apartment buildings, which we lived in. And there were private homes, but uh, my parents, you know, weren't rich, so we rented. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment. My parents slept in the living room, and I slept in the bedroom. We had one TV that was about this big. And you, would, <laughs> and you wouldn't give it up for anything. <laughs> yeah, and I had it like if I was home on a Sunday night, I had to watch Ed Sullivan or one of those kind of shows, because that's what my parents would watch, you know. Lawrence Welk. I don't even know if people know their names today. Yeah, but they, 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 the kids don't get that. Your dad yeah. grew up like that. Six kids. They yeah. were all on one floor. Yeah. You know, one, one TV. TV. You know, his father used to yeah, shut the AC kids, off at night. God forbid. Kids today are into the internet, their phones, uh, social media. I think it's great. I mean, times change. You know, I used to look at my parents and say, Mom, Dad, you don't understand. Okay. Now that I'm a mom and my wife... You know, my, my wife and I, I'm a dad, mm -hmm. my wife's a mom, and they our kids look at us and go, hey, you, you don't, don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> like he's going to say it to me, like he says it to me, and your kids are going to say it to you. Just yeah, but you know, it it's, it's understandable. Times are different. You know, kids grow yeah, up but differently. I, not always, I mean, some, some things are better, but I don't think overall, I think I grew up on a, on a street where we played from, if you were three years old up to 17, 
we were all outside. Yeah, everything everything, everything was outside. Everybody in the neighborhood knew everybody, okay? I, I mean, I live in a nice area in the town here of Livingston. Uh, people live a half a block from me. I don't if I see them once every three years, uh, you know. It's true, though. You know, I mean, I, we made friends with a few people in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, but most of our friends from the town are because of our children. Right, you I mean, you know, they through played, the kids. They played ball. They yeah. went to school together. And, you know, so the, my daughters became friends with other girls. And then we became friends with the parents and so on and so forth. I feel like the only place that's still kind of like that, that still shows those characteristics, is the Jersey Shore. Like, you still have people still meet each other. Neighbors come out. Yeah, depends but you know what? If you're you go at, no, it depends. It depends what area of the shore you're in. Yeah, you know, we're at. We're you go to your business exactly. is open to everybody on Lagoon. Yeah, you right, don't. But you know, I, I think if you go back to the inner cities of, of, of New York, the people are still growing up that way. It's a mm -hmm. local neighborhood. They yeah. live in you know they live in apartments. They you know apartment buildings or they lived in private houses. I mean, uh, some neighborhoods are nicer than other other neighborhoods, but th those those people are still growing up. They're growing up in the streets. It's a different, you know, we live in a suburb, so pretty much it's not the streets because, you know, it's just what kind of shape am I in? I can't walk five miles to go say hello to somebody. Right. So you take your car. So it's 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 different. So it's, uh, you know. The other thing, the Internet. Like when we were growing up, like everybody had the same. Nobody had, you didn't know if anybody had more than you less. You were just happy. Uh, your, I, your world was maybe one town over. That was it. Yeah, you know, yeah. being 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 growing up and being being a salesperson, and, and uh, I appreciate speaking to people. Today, all you do is text everybody. Text, yeah. You know what? Text well, I was just going to ask you that. You think that's how you you learned your skills and your well? I, I, I think talking, that, right? I think to some degrees it puts you in contact with people and and the human element. And uh, you know, I, to me, people? to me, that's the way it should be. Even mm -hmm. even in business today, everything is through the computer. Everything is, you know, through EDI, which is a computer-generated invoice and a order. Yeah. Okay, you get payments through the EDI and all that. I personally enjoy speaking to a customer and using our skills, you know, the skills that we have. You know, uh, not, not to say that people that do business on Zoom calls and things like that don't aren't successful, but I believe in the human touch, so, you know. You know, Howie, it's that. funny. When Christopher was younger, I remember having an argument with my husband at the time because... He wanted to ride his bike alone. And I was like, no way. We live in a safe area. And there was a guy sitting at dinner with us. He said, you know, I got to tell you. He said, I grew up in the streets in Nutley. He said, you guys are too overprotective of your kids. He goes, my business par partner went to the best schools, Harvard graduate, I think. He says, I wasn't a Harvard graduate. He says, but I'm going to tell you, when I sit across from people, I can make a deal. Not only that, I can read them. Because I've yeah, been on the street, but I had I think, to learn, like, that guy's not good. This guy's okay. Yeah, I agree. He says, my, my agree. partner can get screwed all the time because he can't read anybody. He says, they need that skill. I, I think the human touch plays an important role yeah. of building a relationship. Uh, just like us. I mean, I came here, obviously, to lose weight, okay? Uh, we sort of became friendly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Uh, we communicated, we enjoyed speaking to each other, and we created a little bit of a friendship. Uh, you don't, yeah, I don't know that you do that on the Internet. I don't, I know don't you, think you do. I don't know that you do that, you no. know, by texting each other. So I think the human touch is, uh, is, is worth, is, is is worth a lot. And I also think it opens not only kids but people how to communicate 
with their voices and 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 contact opposed mm-hmm. to you know typing any one of my kids they could uh they could take a nap and they could type and not make a mistake okay I mean, it's amazing but, isn't it yeah so you know i i think the personal touch you know is, is really That's important huge. and i i think more and more uh, less and less people communicate that way. I think it's getting worse. I see the difference between his age and even my younger daughter and the and the kids. They're constantly with their heads down on the phone. Constantly. Yeah, it's nonstop. But you know what? It's like anything else. It's a way of life. You know what? It's, it's like uh, people say to me all the time, if you didn't have a phone, what would you do? It's like a GPS. I don't know how I could get from my house <laughs> to, to shop right in town if I didn't, you know, without yeah. a GPS. How, I think of that when I go on a long distance. I'm like, how did we do that before? Then I would remember. People would actually say, go to the street, make a right, and you'd have to write down well, these directions. Well, you, you pulled over no on the idea. side of the road. Yeah. Sir, Madam, yeah. do you how do, how do I get to and exactly. they would go go four blocks, make a right turn, you'll see a red house, make a left. Make there. a left, yeah. Okay, and then I remember MapQuest was a big deal, you know. Okay, and every time I would use MapQuest, I'd drive in a car and almost crash because you have to read the thing where you're going. <laughs> yeah. on. Well, he, he, he doesn't understand with me. Sometimes he'll be like, look at the screen. I, no, I needed to talk to me. Right. I'm watching the road. Another generational difference. I don't know about that. I think that's just a you thing with no, the we, Apple CarPlay. Oh, it absolutely is not. Do you like your G- GPS to talk to you? Yeah, mine, mine speaks to me. Could you follow it if it didn't talk to look down? Uh, and find- well, I would definitely follow it. You'd have to read it. I mean, on my, in my car, it talks to you and you can read it, okay? I mean, the map comes up. But it makes it easier that it talks to you so you don't have to take so your eyes, eyes off, off the, the road. road. Yeah. You know, it, it definitely talks to you. But I remember, I forget the name of the TV show. The name of the car was Kit, where the car talked to you. Oh, oh now, wait a minute. Hey, if I do point? something wrong in my car, it tells me, oh, you made a wrong turn Kit. or you did this or you pushed the wrong button. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Wasn't that so, the guy from Baywatch? Yeah, I think that was the show. But, the, you know, people laughed. Oh, a car speaks to you? Well, now cars speak to you. Car speaks to you. Okay, cars tell me, oh, you know, you made a wrong turn. Oh, your door's open, your trunk's open. I mean, you know. It's crazy now. You know, and I've been dating the girl on my navigation system now for 15 <laughs> years. I, when I hear a voice, I get nervous. <laughs> uh, women That's do so that, right, Howie? Right, am I right? Yeah, women do that. Can we change gears here real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I got, I got some questions for Howie. Go ahead, go ahead. Shoot. So who's the best celebrity to work with? Uh, I work with guys like Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. okay, and people like KG. that. Okay, yeah, Kevin... Uh, uh, believe it or not, I met Kevin through a gentleman by the name of Elliot Levine, who was the president of Perry Ellis at one time. Okay. And I met him at Jordash, and then he left and started his own own thing. And Kevin was a great guy. Kevin had a line uh, called uh, Official Block Family, OBF. So mm-hmm. uh, Elliot put a line together with Kevin, and, and that's when I met Kevin. Kevin was, was a pleasure. And also I worked with uh, uh, Kelly, R. Kelly, okay? Uh, I met Kevin. Not uh, anymore, but. Well, not now, okay, <laughs> but uh, we were working with R. Kelly. We almost went in business with him. Uh, you know, and as a young age, I took my kids to Madison Square Garden to see him, and I took my kids into his dressing room. Oh, and we they must sat have loved like that. in the second or third row in Madison Square Garden, and he yelled out in the audience to my man Howie and things like that. My kids were like fascinated. That's awesome. My kids were fascinated by that. Oh, yeah, and over the years, we met people. We were in the urban business. We had a label called D-Lo, Keep It On The Down Low. So we met people like the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, so cool. Yeah, those kind, those kind of people. Uh, Russell Simmons, okay. Uh, you know, all those kind of puffy, all, all those guys. Jay-Z. Puff like? Jay-Z. 
Paul, you know, in, in those days, they were basically, you know, street guys. You know, they were growing up. Damon from FUBU. Uh, they were all from Queens, and I got involved with some kids that were into grassroots marketing who introduced us to all those people, and that's how we got into the urban business. And uh, they created a niche for themselves in the urban business. So is that Damon when, is on Shark Tank, that yeah, guy, Damon yeah. John. yeah. Is that when um, Puff was doing the Sean John? He had the Sean John, he had the Sean John label, yeah. Did he sell that? I don't know. You know what? I, 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 you know, I'm really not in touch with the urban, you know, that urban market. I don't know that it's as strong as it was at one time. I mean, those celebrities are are still powerful. Jay-Z, even Beyonce. We met Beyonce and the other two ladies that were in there. We met a mother and a father (laughs) in the early days before she became the Beyonce that we know today. Uh, But we met Jay-Z, okay? Uh, we made T-shirts for them. Uh, so very early in the garment business, I met a lot of those guys until they went into their own business. Mm-hmm. You know, and people backed them. And uh, look, they were very successful in in the uh, in that you know core denim business. You know, they built a, a nice niche for themselves. So for them, like they obviously market their own brand. Like, how do they go about doing that? Like, it's all about like their following, I guess. I or? just think you know they do it. They do yeah. it through their music. They do it through their music and uh, social media. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot of grassroots marketing. I like today Jay Z. I mean, I don't know that there's that many people out there, younger generation that don't know who they are. Yeah. Or Puffy or or, or, or those kind of guys. So, you know, uh, so they they basically you know they did it through uh, you know it was a grassroots market. You know. Interesting. Very cool. They wear something, Chris, of theirs, and it's going to sell out. Because that's what uh, Damon John was doing with LL Cool J. Just wear the shirt. Take well, a LL Cool J, LL Cool J, you know, sponsored them by, it, it was all grassroots marketing in those days. You give out free samples, and they, you know, they had young kids running around the streets that knew these people. You know, they, they, they're street people. They grew up in the streets. They hung out in the streets. So they were able to get people to wear their, you know, wear their products, mm-hmm. take pictures, and then, you know, get it in Source Magazine and those kind of magazines. And, uh, you know, they... they so in those days, you had to dial up a number on the magazine and order it? Yeah, but yeah. you know what? I oh, mean, wow. but in those yeah. days, there was a tremendous amount of mom and pop stores in the inner cities so of many. New York. Okay, even, the, even in even in Jersey, I mean, we had Evansons. Which is well, you know, if you go into store. town, if you go into towns like Irvington and Newark, yeah, you know, Market Street. I don't know all the names of the streets, but there was a tremendous amount of retail. Okay, uh, so there was a, a big vehicle to buy product in those days. So, was you think the competition was worse then, or it is now? I don't know if the competition is worse now. I I just think it's tougher for the competition. Because of what's going on in the last few years with COVID here in America, retailers are buying very close to the vest. Okay, it's not not as easy to get a brand into stores today. Uh, and everybody, every celebrity has a brand. If you look at QVC, you see all these celebrities all day long selling their yeah. clothing lines. And and even in the business that I'm in today, I mean, I'm basically just a sourcing guy. I mean, I built a sourcing business, so we're making product for other people opposed to making it for ourselves. And a lot of the guys that I do business, they're in the volume moderate price business. So they're licensing names that were popular at one time, like Tahari, Ellen Tracy, Adrian Venedetti, okay, uh, Vince Camuto. Uh, so I'm manufacturing 
for guys that ha own the license for those names, and they're selling the mass merchants. They're selling like TJ Maxx and Burlington and Nordstrom's Rack and those kind of people, and that's where the volume is today. What's the story with Nordstrom Rack? Is that all stuff that is deformed? Well, sort of you know, originally speaker? all these stores like TJ Maxx and Burlington and Ross stores, they were a vehicle for manufacturers to move excess inventory, you know, because, you know, the retailer, if something didn't sell, they weren't going to buy it from you. Mm -hmm. So these stores would, you know, buy it at a reduced price, put it out, and and like TJ Maxx, what's their, their logo is Brands for Less, okay? So, you know, it, to some degree, they save a lot of manufacturers because there's a vehicle to move your inventory. But like the high end, like Gucci, Louis, they, if they... If there's a bad cut, it's just thrown away. Well, no, I don't. I, you know, I don't believe they throw it away. They they have vehicles to move their inventories. I mean, today the outlets all over the country. Oh, true. They move. You know, a lot of them have their own stores today. A lot of the stores, in my opinion, they became so big the outlets that they manufacture for the outlets. They do. I remember calling Coach when opening your bag. You know, I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would out. You know, openly say that's no, what they're she did. doing. I called for for a briefcase for him at the coach store and she said um they manufacture just for the outlet i said yeah, what's the difference she goes you're not going to get the bells and whistles on yeah the you know item. i'm i'm you know for whatever it's worth uh, i'm a luxury kind of guy i mean but you know you're always looking for a bargain so mm -hmm. you go to the outlets i mean they have bottega and they have gucci and they have todd's how are the prices though are they uh i find uh, the last few times that i've gone to the outlets uh, the, the prices are up there they're, you know they're, they're cheaper in the store but not by much. But yeah, maybe twenty percent. You know, some, yeah, it's not a lot. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes maybe more. There was a time when you could get it, you know, fifty percent off. I have a friend that's in Europe now, and he's saying, "Oh, it's tw it's twenty percent cheaper there. Plus, you get the VAC, VAT tax back, twelve percent." Interesting. Where you do know. all these outlets come from, though? Like, this is outlets like a newer term, or like a newer. I, I don't know when yeah. the outlets. You know, I'm not sure who owns all. I'm not sure who owns all these outlets, but I think they're guys that were in the mall business. They've opened up these outlets and have attracted the brands to open stores there. Yeah. To move their excess inventory and make a profit. It's actually brilliant because you have people driving yeah. an hour for outlets. Oh yeah, the, the ones. Um, well, yeah. You know what? There there is value in going there if you find something that you like. And if you know that, if you if you know the the price of something, yeah. and you see it in a Bottega store for thirty two hundred dollars, and then you see it for twelve hundred dollars in an outlet store, you say, "Wow, you know, yeah, it, you know, it's got it's some a, value." The other thing, like when you brought it up, like I, I'm thinking of Evanson's, our local department store. When we used to go in there to buy jeans, they would have like stacks and stacks. So you wonder if they just put them away for the following year, or they just sat them uh, on the shelf you know, until they sold. When I was in a business, and you know, I, 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 you know, I'm going back to 1975. You know, the, the late 70s, the early 80s. The jean stores, they used to build these wood boxes and pile the jeans up yeah. this high, and they would carry all the brands, and that's how they did business. But that business evaporated. You know, today it's more of a. You know, more of a luxury business, okay? When I say luxury business, uh, you know, we were selling jeans for ten dollars wholesale. I, we went, we, we were nine seventy five. We went to ten dollars. The retailer said, "We're not going to buy from you anymore." Wow! <laughs> you raise your price. Okay. Wow. Really? Okay. Uh, and today, to buy a, you know, if you want to buy one of those brands that's in the department stores, 
I don't know that the average gene in the store that's under $110, up to $300, you know. Uh, and, you know, even when you go upstairs to the junior department in these department stores, they're carrying the luxury brands. If you want to call them luxury brands, uh, yeah. you know, you want to say, uh, you know, seven jeans and... Seven, and, that's the ones say, I could, yeah, yeah those, seven Those jeans. kind of brands, you know, uh, you know. And the, and the other guys are in the discount. And, you know, the old brands like Adrian Venedetti and them, they're selling licenses, so they're doing it in the mass merchants. But And that's a big volume business, too. Yeah. How much would it cost to start up a clothing company today? You know, when I started my business in the late 70s, early 80s, it really cost us nothing. It cost us, you know, $1,000 to open up a little showroom. You know, we had a partners in Hong Kong that made samples for us and we went on the road and sell. You know, there was no advertising in those days. We went on the road and we knocked on doors and we knew the retailers because we were selling them previously. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if they liked you, they'd say, well, we don't, we never heard of your brand, but you know how you've been selling us for years, we'll try it. And, and we built a brand. We built a brand called Corniche. Okay. Uh, but, you know, today, it's a whole different ballgame. It, it's it, 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 very difficult to do without having a financial backer. Like, you like know, a million bucks, would you say? I would say if you really wanna, if you really, if you really want to do it right, that's probably a number. I wouldn't say it's an initial investment, but uh, it, it it's got to cost just something around here. You got to hire designers. You got to get a showroom. You got to get sales. Well, you got to get tech people to help you put the line together. You gotta, you, know, you gotta finance the inventories today. Uh, you know, in the early days, we found partners in Asia that would finance and give us the goods. How do you find those people? Like, well, it's just word of mouth. And well, it's not. Well, I can only tell you the story that I know. Is it, Marty Heinfling, who started the French Star Jeans and Sergio? was on his way to Hong Kong wanting to go into the jean business and he was on an airplane, okay, and there was a Chinese couple sitting next to him and they got into a conversation and, you know, you sit on a plane for 13, 14 <laughs> hours, you know, you know, you look at each other and most people don't speak to each other. They started speaking and they asked him, why are you going to Hong Kong? And he said, I'm looking f to go into the denim business and it turned out, this husband and wife owned a company called Taifang Weaving and Dyeing, okay, was, which is one of the largest piece good mills in all of Asia in those days in Hong Kong. And uh, it was the sister of the family that owned it and, and the son-in-law. So How they, crazy is that? So he got into the business by accident. He, he ended up going partners of one of the biggest piece good mills in the country, in the world. And... Uh, that's how he built it, and they financed his business. But if he had to start that business today and market it and advertise it, I, you know, it, it's. I'm not saying you can't do it. I mean, you know, there are people that, you know, take a bag and they design their own line and they run around, and plenty of people doing it today. Not as easy as it used to be. Yeah. And there's not that many outlets to sell anymore like you used to sell. Because Gymshark is the only company recently that I've seen that really blown up in the past couple of years. Yeah, you know, like you go to stores and all of a sudden a new brand pops up, but the average person's not analyzing who owns the brand, the mm -hmm. where the brand came right. from. They see it in a store. Hey, that's nice. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Okay. I don't think Gymshark's in stores. They're all online. There's I, I a believe. lot of people. There's a lot of people that have big online businesses today. 
you know. I like to touch it, feel it. I like to see it. Well, you know what? I can only tell you the experiences I see through my kids. I see a lot through my kids' visions and mm-hmm. ideas. They buy a lot and they return a lot. You know, they yeah. buy something. You know, they buy a pair of shoes. They buy three sizes or three different styles. It comes to the front door. Oh, it doesn't fit so well. I, you know, I liked it. Now I don't like mm-hmm. it. They send it back. So, uh, you know, again, that's, a, that's, you know, it's all in, you know, intertwined into the prices they charge, you know, returns and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that's the business today. The online business is a, a large business. Even the even the the new business of um, well, I don't know how new it is. Stitch Fix, right? Did you ever hear that when they when yeah you, yeah when yeah they're very they're very they're very big they're very big online. There's a bunch of they're brands. Huge, yeah. You pay like a certain amount per month, and they send you an out. They send you clothes. They'll only charge you for what you keep, and then you send back the rest. Yeah, what's the other one? Not not Fiverr. Um, I signed up for it. I did. No, no, no. I no, I did. Oh, I they think said like, I like two or two or three shirts, two or three pants every month, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting concept, it but is you an know, again, concept. again, I, you know, I don't know what the return consequences are to all of yeah. that. You know, how many times they pick something and you like it. Uh, I've heard the stories. Oh, it's for the guy that's on the go or the woman that's on the go. That's professional. She works. She doesn't have time to go to a store. Me personally, if I can't try it on and I can't touch it, yeah, you know. you're not buying it. Yeah, you know, so, but, it, you know, uh, it's interesting. There are plenty of people doing it. And even, like, Untuck It, too. That's another company that blew up. Untuck, Untuck It. Huge. He's a Bosco kid. Yeah, Don Bosco. Yeah. Yeah, he's Untuck, uh, What do you think about Untuck It? I don't really know that much about it, but, you know, again, all these online businesses, uh, they're they're out there today. That, you know, who, who the monster is and who's making the most amount of money. You think the quality's gone down? Uh, not necessarily. You know, if you, you know, if you look at, if you just take denim for a whole, okay? Uh, no, I don't think the quality has gone down, <clears throat> you know. Uh, prices have gone up, so they make a decent product. I mean... Mm-hmm. You know, you tell me somebody's wholesaling jeans for sixty or seventy or eighty dollars wholesale, that they're paying forty or fifty dollars to make it. I I would you know again I'm not here to blow anybody's out of the yeah. water. I would challenge anybody. I don't care what the price of their jeans are. It doesn't cost eighty dollars to make a pair of denim. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. But again, you know, it's it's not a question of what it costs. It's a question of they create brands and they're entitled. They're entitled if they market it and build it. They're entitled. They're entitled to you give them credit. Yeah, look it's at tough business, apparel and clothing. And it's become a tougher business. Uh, you know, yeah, inventory has become a problem with retailers. You know, returning stuff and all that. But uh, that's what they say is the biggest problem. Like if you go on QVC or HSN. You have to have huge inventory, well, and you may you get know, a ton of returns. You know, from, a business, kill from you. a business standpoint, you know, my opinion is if I was doing it, and again, I don't have a brand today, but if I was doing it, I would make a deal with them. This is the, this is the deal. This is, we're going in. Mm-hmm. This is it. I'm giving you the, this is the price. You own the goods. This is it. In other words, don't try to make squeeze every penny out of it. You know, try to make a deal with them that they buy the goods, give them enough margin so when they mark the goods down, they can dissolve the goods. Because when you get them back, <laughs> you 
you know, you got to repackage yeah. it in a lot of cases. Uh, it comes back without the hang tags on it. It comes back without the labels on it. Yeah. So, you know, again, I you know, everybody has a different philosophy. But again, uh, QVC, they do a lot of business, you know. They crush it. Would you do it all over again? Yeah, why not? Why not? You know what? Would you pick another industry or just... I, I, didn't, I didn't really pick the industry. I, I, I got pushed into it, friends of mine. I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to be a ball player. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I was a fairly decent athlete, you know, public school, junior high school, high school, you know. Baseball? Uh, yeah, I played a lot of baseball. I played in the parade ground league. So, you know, I didn't play in the local little league. Uh, you know, we traveled. Mm -hmm. You know, in those days, you had to be fairly good to even, you yeah. know, make one of those teams. Today... Every town has a traveling team. Every team. Uh, in those every days, town. it was a little different, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, those were, those were the days. I played ball in the parade grounds, Lincoln Terrace Park mm -hmm. for the youth service league. So it was fun, you know. Then I watched my kids play ball. One of my yeah. kids was uh, played in college. Was very good in high school. All three of my kids played ball in you know junior high school and high school. But one went into college and played at Rutgers. She was an All-American in soccer and softball. Today she coaches Irvington girls, girls uh, high school softball, and uh, she's the assistant uh, girls uh, high school soccer coach. So she's uh, she's still involved in sports, but she was she was a really good athlete. But again, all my kids played ball in Livingston. Is that the same daughter that gave out all the clothes uh, at that practice? Yeah, that was that was that's it. that's Jenna. Yeah, hear about Howie's blowout sale at the, uh, the <laughs> softball field. Yeah, we gave him uh, we gave him vest and you know things like this and uh, Howie and, took and, home thirty thousand. And and they were and they were and they were appreciative. These kids, you know, to get something of value, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, and she does a good job, and she uh, she's dedicated to them. She's not only a coach to them; she tries to, you know, be a parent to a lot of them. Yeah. I know, you know too. I met two of your girls. The great, yeah, great people. You know, a lot of these young girls that play for her respect her. Good. You know, she tries to help them get into other, you know, school, and mm. uh, you know, try to guide them in the right direction. Okay. That's awesome. So you know, uh, in fact, I was at a game the other day. You know, so I go to as many games. I I don't think I missed any of my kids' games, but my middle daughter Jenna, you know, played so many games because she played traveling soccer and then she played in college and mm -hmm. so I traveled all over to watch them play ball. So my kids look back and they go, "Wow, my dad was great. He went to all the games. He mm -hmm. took me, to, you know." And my wife too. You know, you have to pack them up, get them in a the club, bring them to the game. Oh yeah, it's not know. easy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of yeah, work. It's a, it's a lot of work, you know. And 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 when you go into the inner cities, these kids that play in like Irvington, no disrespect to them. The first time they ever play any organized sports is when they get to junior high school or mm -hmm. high school. So not like in the suburbs, my kids started playing t-ball when they were four and five right. years, yeah. four and five years old, and then went into the little league, and then they played in the public school and then the junior high school. And if they, you know, if they excelled at any of those levels, there were coaches that had traveling teams. So you know, the kids get an opportunity to have an experience that these kids their first experiences when they get to high school. Really get the, yeah. That's interesting. What do they call you? Do they know that you're Jenna's they call, What do they call me? They call me, well, they used to call her white chocolate. Now I'm just, now I'm just, 
white chocolate's dad. <laughs> so we have cute okay. as that. Now they call me. Now they call me Jen. They as must dad. love to see you, you know. when you come. Well, they definitely know who I am because you know I go to the games. Okay, and my mm-hmm. wife goes to a lot of the games. We go to games because we're not only supporting the kids she coaches, we're still supporting our daughter. Right. Yeah, of course. Right. You know, uh, once, once you have the sports in you, you're not. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up playing ball every day. I mean, I was in the schoolyard at 9 o'clock in the morning. We didn't go home until it was dark. Yeah. Then we just turned our hats around, and then it was, okay, where were all the girls to hang out with, you know, <laughs> and go to the candy store. Howie. <laughs> you know, we played ball. You know, we had nothing else on our, on our mind. Even in the winter when it would snow, kids would go to the schoolyard. We'd play rough tackle in the snow. We didn't have helmets or, or we just played in this we played in now a parents would freak out right oh freak they out. would freak out you well, can't do I, it i find i find today a lot of people don't even want their kids to play contact sports they're afraid they're going to get concussions Concussions, ct you uh, know when i played in school i mean you got a concussion you don't know <laughs> they put you back in the, <laughs> they put you back in the game <laughs> I, yeah, I know it's it's well, we're a baseball and football family, so, I mean, I understand mom's concerns, but it, it saddens me because I think they're having a harder, harder time to to have the kids come out for certain sports. And I think sports teach you so much. I think it's great for these kids to get out. I think Camaraderie, the, I think the competition, teamwork. I think the competition's good. Mm-hmm. I think somebody else telling them what to do opposed to their parents telling them what to That's do. Good, yeah. uh, you know, you become friends with people. My daughter's friends with people she would never know ever in her life if she didn't play Please, ball. Right, She's right. friends with guy, girls that she played ball with in, in high school and in college. And then she played, you know, traveling, okay? Uh, you know, she met coaches all over the state of New Jersey. She she played for Rutgers Newark. So she played against William Patterson and Montclair State and all those kind of schools, you know. Uh, you know, so she met she met people, and then she played competitive travel when, when she was in college, okay? I mean, th- those leagues were really, you know, those, those coaches came after – all the college players that mm-hmm. were good. So that was really competitive. So she made a lot of friends, you know, and sh- she's still friends with a lot of them. Yeah, sports are great for that. Oh, I think so people. too. I think so too. It's just that I, it, I don't know, I have a theory about the whole concussion thing. I mean, what's your theory? I, I think that the sometimes the helmets are too tight. Well, whatever, I, I whatever the reason, know. whatever the reason is, but I, I just think parents today just, you know, I, I don't want my kid to play football. I don't, you know, you're not going to get a concussion playing baseball, and you know. Unless, yeah, I've seen it. Unless, Getting hit with a baseball. Well, you could, you could. Yeah, but uh, but playing colliding. but playing football, you know. Yeah. L- yeah. Let's let's face reality. That's a context yeah. sport. When when I when I played in high school, okay, and a little bit in college. I mean, that's that's a contact sport. You're making contact pretty much on every, every play. play. Yeah. On every play. Uh, competitive soccer, they're making contact a lot. You know, mm-hmm. may, maybe not hitting each other in you the head, but, too. you know. Oh, I but can't the, even believe when they hit the ball with the heads. Yeah, you know. It uh, hurts. You know. So, you Is know. your theory with the spinning of the helmet? Well, no, when we were growing up, the, the boys would run and the, and the helmet would kind of move. And I'm sure, but people before. people say that they were concussions back then too, and you they didn't definitely know it. Were. But they definitely I've were, seen kids but, throw yeah. up on the field, which I don't ever remember seeing as a kid. And I think some like think about it. There's no give. I think sometimes the helmets are so it's like hitting There's a brick wall. 
Me, yeah, I but I, I don't think I, I don't know you know. Why. You go back to Kids when I played ball. Guys that I knew that played. There was no helmets. No well, no, we we had we had helmets, but uh, you know, my brother's like 13 years older than me. When he played in high school, they didn't have face masks. Yeah, they had helmets, but they didn't have face masks. <laughs> then when I played, we had you know we started you know, one bar, two bars, yeah. but uh, I don't know that concussions were you know. You know, if you got hit in the head or you were dizzy, you sat out for two plays, and if you were a good player, the yeah. coach, are you ready to go back in the game yet? And you'd say, yeah, I want to yeah. play, you know. Uh, I, I just think, you know, today, I mean, they're trying to correct it. I mean, you know, but I, I just think the guys today, they're so big, they're so, so strong, strong and so fast. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, they definitely get hurt. I mean, I, I've heard of guys talking about just taking the face mask off again because you're not going to leave why? your head. Think about it. I don't know. A lot of people, a lot of dentists will be happy and a lot of plastic surgeons. I was going to say, can you imagine that, that? How can that be? That's crazy. I don't see where taking a face mask off is going to protect, uh, you know, you know, even in college today, you know, you know, this big time college guys, I mean, these guys are big, they're strong, you know. They're hitting, so it's like a car accident. You know. You know what? It's a competitive game, and if you want to be a good ball player and you want to be competitive, you got it. You got to play the game right. Hundred percent. You know, uh, you, you know, unless you're that good that you can run through the line and nobody touches you. Okay, like you know. Not, not many. Uh, but it's a physical, it's a physical game, and it's a chance you take. But I don't you know how they do it. I can. If you had little kids again, would you let them play? I probably wouldn't have let you start so soon. Because yeah. I think football is a game that you can pick up later in life. It's not like baseball. You can't pick up baseball in high school and start playing and be a good hitter. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think, think that's more of a that. skill that you have to build with baseball. I think football, you can you can join in, in high school and be okay. Look I, at Will. Look at Nikolai's look at yeah, look at well, roommate. Yeah. Look at Will. But you know what? If you start, you start them too late, they lose a lot. You know, uh, you don't have to play that so many contact sports at a young age but i think getting them involved really early yeah. they learn they learn the simple things about the game you know mm-hmm. uh yeah i think my both son, you know, yeah you know like like i made a comment earlier like my daughter gets these kids at high school level and and, and they just don't understand yeah, a simple yeah. game like baseball you, have to you know, go they back, don't yeah. understand the fundamentals of making a double play or bunting or or yeah. you know you got to keep your back foot back or or whatever okay so I think, you know, starting starting really early is a good thing for these kids. I agree. Let me see if the cameras are good. You know, uh, I think, you know, I think it was great for my kids, okay? They all played, you know, in middle school, high school. Uh, one went on to play in college. But, uh, you know, when my kids look back, they loved it. You know? Yeah, my, no, my, the, boys, the boys started early, early. Um, yeah. I often think I wish I, I wish I counted how many games I sat through. I think like more kids. I think thing. more kids. Thousands. Thousands. I think more kids should play sports. You know, uh, fortunately, the inner city they don't play golf, they don't play a lot of tennis. Okay, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, who who played golf? Yeah, you, you know, in, in those yeah. days, I mean, I don't know. I grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn. I don't know that there were any golf courses okay i don't think anybody me growing up i never heard of anyone really playing golf okay now i there was you know uh as i got a little older and i got in high school we started meeting girls and people from other neighborhoods there was a private tennis club Mm -hmm. you know so yeah 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 you know so you know there were people that played tennis in those days but where i grew up in my neighborhood you know if one kid played tennis 
that was a lot. But every kid played There's punch no ball, way. stick ball, softball, <laughs> basketball, punch ball. <laughs> I love it. Did you yeah. ever come across Tyson in Brownsville? Mike Tyson? Yeah. No, I, I, I met Mike Tyson in the Glomman business. Okay? You know, he used to come in, you know, uh, all these celebrities come in, they want to wear your brand. You know, mm -hmm. so, again, it's grassroots marketing. You give away free clothes. What was it like meeting him? Yeah, again, he's an interesting guy. You know, yeah. it depends how you meet these guys, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, when we met him, he's a friendly guy. You know, he's a nice guy. And, you, and you're in aura meeting him because the guy's one of the best fighters in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, you know, and, 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 and even today, I mean, you know, he's come back a lot, you know. Big as, time. As, as a person, and, you know, you feel good about it, you know. Yeah, he's made a, a 180 turnaround. He's really, he seems like a really nice he's guy. He's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And a lot of seems these, like he's he's a lot matured. Of these kids, they get taken advantage of. You know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, these guys get a hole in them at a young age, and they mock well, Cus, them. Cuss was the best for him. You know, that uh, that uh, that wife that he married, she wasn't so good, right? Remember that? that I don't know. I forget her name, but they lived. There, they bought a house in Mendham. Uh, okay, I forget what her name is, and they got divorced early. But uh, again, you know what? But the whole story though seemed like she was dragging him through the mud. Just felt bad yeah, for him. You know, you never know what the real story is. No, you, you know, never. You don't. When the lights go out and the doors are closed, nobody yeah, knows nobody what knows. goes on. Yeah. And, you know, goes on. But uh, True. look, you know, they're celebrities. They go through a lot. You know what? They, they can't go anywhere without people bothering them. I mean, he <laughs> was know? becoming on top. What age? 18, 19, 20, 21. The you know what? You give them that kind of money, even, 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 even. You know, you're not a celebrity. When you come across that money, it opens up many oh, doors. A whole new world, you know, yeah. and and you know th these kids are coming out of the inner city, and all of a sudden he's worth a hundred dollars, and then he's worth a thousand dollars, and then he's worth ten thousand dollars, then he's worth ten million dollars, mm -hmm. then he's worth twenty million dollars. Okay, and some then of these guys fight today. Some of these guys fight today. They they make fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars from a fight. Okay, mm -hmm. you know, uh, these basketball players, baseball players. I mean, baseball. Uh, I was laughing say. the other day. I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm a Met fan. But Judge turned down, what, 30-something 30, 30 million a year because he wants 35 million in nine years opposed to 30 million. And, and he's how old? I think Judge is in his, I think he's 30-something. So it's nine years? Well, I don't, he, he didn't get the contract, did no, he? No, but still, I mean, the contract is 30-some-odd million dollars a year plus the guy plays in New York, the amount of endorsements that he's going to get. But, but so he wanted 30 million for nine? I don't know if you well, bet Well, he nine. wanted more than 30 million. I think, that, you know, I'm, I could be it's wrong, but I think that. they offered him 30, like 30 million Something or 32 like million. And he's 29? And he wanted 35 million and he wanted nine years and they only want to give him seven years or six years. Nine years is a lot for a 29 year old you know i don't think that's to be a good the deal. highest paid guy you know listen you know what if he doesn't have a good year this year that 30 million will go to 15 or 18 million which isn't so bad if make 18 no. million that's a gamble though he should take it seven years well, you know mm -hmm. what uh, a lot of these guys they just think they they gamble okay i think they some of them get bad advice from their agents okay i mean it's not like he's 24 and he wants a nine-year contract Twenty nine. Mm -hmm. Give me thirty eight years old. That's kind of that's that's a big number in you baseball, isn't it? You never never know. You never never know. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't go for that. I would say no. But the baseball money is insane, though. The the baseball players, uh, you know, the guys that don't get paid the most, the guys like these hockey players, and I think they're great. They're also great athletes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you look at these guys that play golf. 
I don't know, are, are any of them really great athletes? I'm not so sure that a lot of these guys, and they might be, don't get me no, wrong. No, I know what you mean. Okay, but I, I don't know if a lot of these guys are athletes. If you want to play baseball. The pro golfers? Huh? The pro, the yeah, pro. I don't. I don't know that a lot of them are athletes. You know, yeah, they I mean, could be. I mean, they they're could. not going to run. You know. Uh, well, you know, I never hear. You know, you hear once in a while. Oh, he played baseball in college, or yeah. he played. You never hear a lot of them. Oh, the guy could have could have played for the Yankees, or he could have played the right. for the yeah, Dodgers. That's true. Okay, but they might. You know, some of them might be. You know, uh, but you know what? Because you see, like a lot of the like um, Aaron Rodgers. A lot, uh, Steph Curry. They all play golf very, very well. Tom Brady. Yeah, but that's different. They're athletes who can play golf. Yeah, but they Not play that golf players they, who are athletes. They're great athletes that play golf now because yeah. that's that's a vacation game for yeah. them. You right. know, right. okay, and it's you know, and you know, very rarely will you yeah, see a golfer. Yeah, but th- but be those, able guys, to play those guys, those guys, those guys are athletes yes. and want to play golf. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's golf's a hobby to them. You know what? Yeah. Okay, so you know. You but, play golf. No, I don't. I, I I tried it a few times. Okay, uh, I, I no never good. really got I never really got into it, you know, that much. But you know, when I did, I went out. I got the right pair of shoes and the right bag and the I'm right sure. golf clubs, and then I'm I went sure. out and played golf and said, <laughs> "Yeah, you know, I got." I went out me. and said, "How come I could throw a football sixty yards in a year? Yeah. I could hit. I could throw a, a football twenty yards through a tire. I could run. I could score a touchdown. I could hit a home run, and I can't hit a golf ball straight. <laughs> I can't. Uh, the golf for me is no good. Yeah, that was like me in tennis. Lee and I went to the tennis shop. I looked like Roger Federer walking on that yeah. court. <laughs> that wasn't that good. No, but you know what? Also, if you grew up in the inner cities, there weren't a lot of opportunities to go play in a private golf course and stuff. You know, no. when I did play, like one, you know, once I met people like in Livingston and through business. We all of a sudden you're getting invited to go play in country clubs, you know. Yeah, you want to go yeah. private clubs, so you know what? You want to be dressed properly, you want to look proper, you know, and so on and so forth. But you know, I it, for some reason it never really interests me. I always yeah. like the contact side of sports. Yeah, like basketball, football, baseball. You know, to yeah. me, that's what I enjoyed. But uh, today, I'll I don't stop. know. I I don't know that I wouldn't tell my kid to play college. It's uh, golf in college and high school. Good way to get a scholarship. It's a good way to get a scholarship. You know, same thing with tennis. You know, tennis is good. Lacrosse, is lacrosse up there. is yeah, saturated of, now. You know, a lot of these sports that weren't important years and years and years ago, but a lot of big time colleges for years had golf golf programs and tennis programs and all that. You know. Yeah. Interesting. No, it's all good stuff. Howie, this is a blast. No, hey, look, I, it's my I, I love I love having Howie here. <laughs> Howie's the best. <laughs> we should do we should do more of these with Howie. We should. We got to think of the title. Thursdays with Howie. Thursdays with Howie. Fridays. Yeah, with I, you know what? We should. You know, we discussed this uh, once before. We should uh, figure out how to attract what market we want to go after, and somehow uh, with all this online uh, mumbo jumbo. How to attract and draw people in that we could do business with? For the tech packs, it's not only it's not only tech packs. There there are people that are dying to find out. Like you asked me a question earlier, how did you how did you figure out how to go to Hong Kong or China yeah. to source product? Well, you know what? Because of my environment that I grew up in and mm-hmm. got started with. It's not as complicated, okay? You just have to you have to have the will to want to do it and 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 find a way to do it. Yeah, you know. And I tell I I tell anybody that wants to talk to me, okay, and not run away from me, okay. <coughs> do it when you're young. You can fail when you're young. Yeah, 
Right. Okay. Later well, on. If, if you, well, later on, you have a family. Okay. You got to pay your car bills, the insurance. Yeah, you have you more responsibility. Send your kids to school. Uh, you know, you can't gamble as much. Well, well you can, but, you know, it's risky. Uh, so I say, look, if you have if you have an ambition to do it, do it. There's nothing wrong with failing. And don't be afraid. Just and and well, and there's nothing wrong with failing because you know what. I you, think you, you learned so much. Your from percentage, failing. you're one half of one percent if you're willing to try. The other ninety nine, the other ninety nine and a half percent, they're, they're either too afraid or just don't don't have the drive to do it. Yeah, that's you true. Right you know, I was, you know, I come from a, you know. I wouldn't say a well-to-do family. My father was a truck driver, the greatest guy in the world. My mother worked at A&S behind the counter. Mm -hmm. She cooked, she cleaned, she took the bus, walked, okay? Okay? Uh, so what did I have to lose uh, to try to go into business, okay? And I never knew I was poor. I had sneakers, I had a T-shirt, I had a pair of jeans. I never knew I was yeah. poor until we started meeting people from other neighborhoods. Their parents had cars. <laughs> right, right. There was difference, okay. right? And they, went, and they went on vacation. Yeah. Right, vacation. What's that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, people, you know, I'll never forget this as long as I live my oldest daughter, Morgan. You know, we moved to Livingston, so all of a sudden, all the kids she grew up with, where do they go in the summer? Summer camp. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we find out the name of the camp. We call up and they... They come to the house, a guy comes to our house, and we open the door and he comes in and he's got a video, you know, in those days you had a VHS, and the guy sits down with me and he says to me, well, where did you go to camp? And I grew up, you know, you went to camp? I went to Camp Curb. You went out three, <laughs> three, three steps, steps outside your house, curb. your father kicked you in the ass and you were in the you street. Were, yeah, and you so played. I, that's what I said to the guy. I went to Camp Curb. He goes, where is that? And I, that's what I said to him. Three steps from the front of my door. Yeah. Just because I live in a nice house in Livingston and I have a garage, you don't even know what cars are in the garage. Okay, he assumed that I went to summer camp. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's know. funny. So what, so what did you think of that whole concept of your, your daughter going to camp? I think it was great, you know. I, I think so too. I think you know, I, listen, you know, it, it's it's to me, it's a luxury. It's a luxury that I was able to afford my kids. Okay, I'm not a rich guy. I work every day. I mean, I'm 73 years old. I'm still hustling to make a living. Okay, I'm still standing. Okay, my kids all have master's degrees. They're all married now. They have I have grandchildren. So you know what? Uh, a good friend of mine said to me recently. You know, I was saying something to me. He says, you did your job. You did a good job. <laughs> yeah. You put you put a roof over your head of your children. You, you sent them. them to school. You sent them to college. Yeah. They got married. They have families. They're all working. They're happy. You did your job. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless if you sent your kid to Harvard or you sent your kid to a community college, you, you did a good you did a good job. Yeah. You know, I don't think as parents, we, we you know, you, don't, you never realize well, you that. you know what? I had the luxury of being able to afford little things. I mean, like I said, I wasn't rich, but you know, somehow we were able to send our kids to camp. We were able to sign them up for the Little League. I remember when I grew up in Brooklyn, kids didn't join the Little League because you had to come up with seven or eight dollars to get a t-shirt and a hat, and parents didn't have the money. I, it sounds crazy now. You say you want to join the Little League in Livingston. I don't know what it costs today, yeah, but I'm sure it's thousand dollars. No, I don't no, know what it no, costs it's today, but a few hundred for, yeah. the, for the town. But if you want to travel now, those are those can be like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, but when I, you know, when I when when I grew up, I didn't play in the Little Leagues. Okay, I, you know, I was fortunate. I was a fairly decent athlete, so I played in tra like travel leagues, even though they were. You know, you, you had to be seen by somebody or recommended by your coach in middle school mm -hmm. or high school. 
Uh, but I remember kids in my neighborhood couldn't join a little league because their parents didn't have seven or eight dollars. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going back to the fifties and the sixties. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it's 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 a lot. You know, you, you, yeah. You when, uh, when you, you think know, you about also it. had to buy your kid a baseball glove. What do they say? Each kid costs about a million bats. dollars. Cleats, bats. Well, today, you know. The kids, the kids come home and they want three hundred and fifty dollar bats, four hundred dollar yeah, bats. My, you know, my daughter teaches in Irvington. They don't support these kids like they get supported in these towns. Yeah. In fact, I'll bring the article in. They just the uh, the town paper wrote a big article about my daughter. Oh, how she in. grew up. She grew up in a town and she played ball in a town and now she's coaching. And her, I'll bring the article in. Yeah, yeah I'd love to read really it. Really nice article, and uh, you know. She, you know, she's uh, she's dedicated to these kids. I, I, I always say to her, why wouldn't you want to coach like at Livingston? She's still French with Co- Coach Daly. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, when they wrote the article, he read the article in the paper, and she made a statement that he got motivated her to be a you know a good athlete. So he called her and said, "You made my day." Aww. But she sees him at the coaches meeting because he's a yeah. high school coach. She's a high school coach. Mm-hmm. He's coaching. I think Livingston this year is fourth in the state. Really? I think the girls softball team is fourth in the uh, state. Marina was saying that too last year. That's very good. Yeah. You know, Livingston usually has a good program. Even when uh, my daughter played, you know, Jenna, my middle daughter. Uh, she played basketball, softball, and soccer in high school. My other kids played softball and soccer. Okay, my oldest daughter, you know, I think she played soccer. Didn't, you know. But uh, they all played. You know, we got them out. You know, we got them out. At least go out and try. You got to. You got to play all sports. You know, play no, all. no, no, no. I, I, you know, me personally, I, I think it's great. Yeah, I agree. You know, get them out there. It's fresh air. They're going to play with kids that they would never get to know again if they move on, you know. That's true, because you, you meet a lot of people that you wouldn't meet, you know. Look at, at you playing nationals and stuff. You oh, met so many and kids. I'm, and I'm still close to those yeah, guys today. exactly. Too. It's amazing. I think my daughter, other than about a handful of kids that she grew up with in Livingston, you know, that she's still friends with a lot of the girls she grew up with in Livingston, but most of those kids she did play ball with, except for maybe one or two of them. Mm-hmm. But she's also got a large circle of friends that she met from playing in college and traveling, you know, traveling sports. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's friends with, you know, with, the, with these kids. So, you know, look, sports to me is healthy. Very healthy, in my opinion as well. You know, you, you look at... You don't want to stand on that. You know, you look at you look at the Asians. They they make their kids study and play the violin and mm-hmm. do all these things, okay. But you got to you know, besides being educated and smart and being able to play a violin, how about going out and getting punched in the head once in a while? <laughs> right. No, I'm being honest. You know, well, well, how about getting knocked down once in a while and dusting yourself off? Oh, right. I agree. Or or, <laughs> okay. or, or go digging deep down when you have no more energy to play anymore. Yeah, like, I mean, I know. play. I played a lot of competitive sports. Okay, so what you just said, getting knocked down and getting back up, and you know, being competitive, wanting to win that drive, I think that helped me in life. Okay, I helped think it me, does. Helped me in business. You know what? There were plenty of times in business when I could have said, you know what. I'm going home tonight. I'm not coming back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No, but you do. You right. You pull out. You you find that strength, that inner strength, and I think hey, football teaches you, you know, how to bring I, that out. I still have the drive. Okay, I don't know if the opportunities are as large for me anymore based on my age and stuff, but I'm still out there hustling. You're try, just getting started. Try, try Howie, don't make, sell yourself short. I'm starting on the next seventy years now. <laughs> That's right, Howie. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna count on a line. 
jeans for guys over 80. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Hey, listen. There's a niche market all the time. You know what? You know. Instead of calling there the should be there should be there should 60s. be a good market for for guys. You know, or, you know, guys that get into their late thirties, forties, fifties. You know, your body starts expanding for whatever reasons. Then you got to call my mom. Well, yeah. y- you know. Uh, yeah, call either you call, know, call Howie or call uh, me. You know, I played ball until I was in my in my forties, but then after that. Okay, it's like, you know, now, I, I'll never forget, I went to a practice with my daughter and, you know, I, I went into the goal and these kids, and if you think these girls can't kick a soccer ball 100 miles an hour, you're mistaken. So, you know, I'm, in my mind, I'm a fairly good athlete, right? So I'm going to go in the net, kick the ball. They kick the ball and the ball goes right between the two hands and boom, right in my face. <laughs> Okay, and now, you know, I'll try to hit the ball, but, the, you know, you don't realize it's your eyesight. Your eyesight, too, you know, is coming quickly eye, it's on eye, Obviously, it's, it's like the eye. It's a ball, too, right, sometimes? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's, you know, you don't see as well. You know, you don't see the ball as well, so you can't make contact like you used to make contact. I mean, when you're young, you don't worry about your eyesight. You don't worry about your hand you coordination. Think, it's amazing, right? Our brain doesn't change, but our, mi- our bodies do. No, absolutely. We think well, we have my brain, my brain tells me I'm still a child. Right, exactly. <laughs> but then when you go to try to do something, you get smacked right in the face. <laughs> well, um, you know, you know when you try to run or you try to play ball anymore. Like I kid around, I have a basket in front of the house. I could go out and I could still shoot the ball fairly well, right? Yeah. But can I get into a basketball game and run with these kids in high school no. for 45 no. minutes up and up, up no. and down? And these kids are, you know, first of all, they're young. They gotta, <laughs> they gotta stay they on ideal. They how we all get you running. They have lung capacity. <laughs> That's true too. That's true too. <laughs> you know. So I try to stay as young as I can for as long as I can, and uh, it is what it is. Imagine how we walking up there like, oh, we'll, we'll go block this and that, and then bang. No, but I, I meet people like, you know, I, uh, we went to, uh, I was with my daughter one day. We went to uh, Montclair to like one of these, uh, mar- you know, markets that you go, you mm-hmm. buy apples and all. Some guy goes, are you Howie Weiss? So I go, last time I checked, he goes, you were my idol. Really? So I said I was your idol. He says you went to Tilden, right? You were the captain of the football team, right? Oh my God! Wow. I said yeah. He said you were my idol. I watched you every Saturday for three years. I wanted to be like you. Wow! And this was a grown guy, and my daughter says everywhere you go, you know somebody. <laughs> well, you you always have that personality too. You're so approachable. You're you just know, fun. Look, I, you know, I, but you know what? In those days, I didn't know everybody, but I was popular because I played ball. Yeah. Right. You know, so, you know, you were in, even in high school. I, I mean, I went to high school. I mean, you go to Livingston High School, they don't have 2,000 kids in the school. I mean, I don't know how many kids are in the school. Yeah. I didn't know 80% of the kids that I went to school with. But they knew you. Uh, yeah, because you know what? You, you, I played baseball. I played, you know, I had a reputation. He was a good ball player. You know, you know people thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. Or, yeah. Okay. But a lot of these people, I, I, I didn't really know them, you know. How nice that he came up to you. Yeah, I, I was yeah. really surprised, okay. He said, are you Howie Weiss? So when we you got in the call with my daughter, when I got in the call, I got in the call with my daughter, I said, he recognized me. I look like an old Santa Claus now. No, 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 <laughs> okay? no. Okay? I mean, you know, compared to when I was 19, 18 years old. Yeah. But he recognized me. He said, you know, you were my idols. I said, I appreciate that. That's you know. crazy. The That's pretty cool. Later. You know, I remember a few times in high school, and I didn't appreciate it. You know, people would ask me for my autograph. Can I sign the yearbook? 
you know, you used to, I don't know if they do it anymore yet. When you graduate, you get I a, think, yeah, they a do, book yeah. with a zipper all around and call and people would come over me. I didn't even know them. Could you please write something in my book? I'd look and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> you know, I don't know who you are. Right. And now, yeah, but no, that but meant you know, when I look back, them. you know, it's like these pro ball players, you know, they sit and sign autographs. It's a good feeling. It is. You know, it somebody is. recognizes you. So it's good to see you. I'll see oh, you it's tomorrow. Great. Well, yeah, so you'll come in tomorrow, but um, we'll do another podcast <coughs> soon. You're, huh? willing, you're willing to come back and do another one with us? Yeah, why not? Good. Let's why do not? it. All right. Howie, Thanks, thank Howie.